but I'm pretty I'm fired up. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 748, December 7th, 2021, the 80-year anniversary of Pearl Harbor, which we will get to today. 54 degrees was the high on this day. That was two years before Pearl Harbor, 1939, and it was 20 below in 1972. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. We got wind last Friday of a teacher named Luke Becker up in Bram, about 60 miles north of the Twin Cities, who won Teacher of the Year as awarded by the uh, uh, Association for Career and Technical Education. And what caught us all uh, as garage logicians is that he, uh, he and his students build equipment for NASA space flights and cars that get 500 miles per gallon. And so we wanted to talk to Luke Becker. Mr. Becker. I suppose. Uh, hello. He's a teacher. Mr. Becker? Hi, guys. Should I call you Luke or Mr. Becker like a student? Oh, it's totally fine either way. All right. Luke, uh, congratulations. And uh, help us understand this 500 miles per gallon achievement. Um, so the sad part of that is, is it's not even that good of a number. Really? Yeah. Um, so in the last set of international contests, we took... Um, we were on a 449.7 miles per gallon with a 100% ethanol in a street legal vehicle. And there's caveat to that. Wow. Um, and we ended up taking second in the world, but the team that beat us got 1,610 miles per gallon. <laughs> what? what? Look, I'm, I'm considerably older than you, and all my life I've heard what can only be called the, the conspiracies of guys who sit around their kitchen table and they... They invent the carburetor that gets 300 miles to the gallon, and they take it to Detroit and disappear. Are you are you onto something here that's going to be amazing? So uh, Shell Oil actually puts the contest on that is considered the world championship. Yeah. Uh, we compete as a high school against colleges, and uh, primarily in, in the Americas region, we're going North and South America, so... My high school competes against Duke and Cal Poly and wow. Texas A&M and Oregon State and Louisiana Tech. And wow. uh, it's four high schools, two from Minnesota and two from Indiana, that absolutely dominate um, the, the classifications in North and South America. And you obviously are one of those four. Yeah, we, uh, so the last contest we got to do, we were third place in the street legal electric class and fourth place in the internal combustion. So that's all the diesel, gasoline, and uh, ethanol cars together. What's the fuel delivery system? Is it fuel injected, carburation? How, how is this done? Yeah, so in, the, in that contest, we don't have a choice. We actually have to use fuel injection. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when we're running our contest in Minnesota and we can run carburetors, Obviously, Briggs and Stratton, Honda, Yamaha have spent millions of dollars trying to make sure that their carburetors are going to work really, really good. 
and it's pretty tough to have some high school kids outthink the uh, <laughs> but, but they love to try. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. they love to try. Uh, and so we've been working on fuel injection for um, single-cylinder Briggs & Stratton and Yamaha uh, TTR 50 dirt bike engine for, I think, seven years now. And uh, we're just finally getting it to the point where we, we got it and we're, we're feeling pretty confident about it. How did you achieve the 400-plus miles to the gallon on a street-legal vehicle? What was the vehicle? So we built the vehicle from scratch. Oh. It weighs about 230 pounds. Okay. Uh, and, and we meet the shell requirements for um, the length, width, height, ground clearance. Um, the wheels have to be enclosed. The driver's compartment has to have uh, two doors, one left, one right. We have to have enough room for two bags of groceries. Uh, windshield wiper, horn, turn signals, brake lights. Wow. A couple years ago, we decided that it was really easy to add another switch and make hazard lights. Right. Uh, and then the next year, it was required of every team in the contest. So we like the, <laughs> the joke they called the Bram rule. And we just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they they thought it was something that we absolutely had to do. Luke, where are you from? Uh, so I graduated from Kimball High School. Have you been involved in? Uh mechanics your whole life uh so yeah my brother-in-law was a factory uh snowmobile racer for polaris and skidoo oh what's his name what's his name mike mike schultz okay yeah and and you might know him from his little exploits of you know being the flag bearer for the u.s team in korea and a paralympic gold and silver medal yeah i know Um, schultzy yeah fantastic yeah Uh, so he and I have been working on stuff for a long, long time. Uh, and I was, was able to help do a little bit of the machining and manufacturing of, of his legs for a couple years. Um, it's actually how NASA got a hold of us. But with the, with the cars, I, I spent some time working on, as his mechanic at X Games, and, and getting to know everybody and trying to figure out and understand things. But, you know, years of motocross and, and just trying to pick up all the pieces that I could. We uh, talk frequently about what I call the failed academy. I'm talking about most principally higher education. We don't lump you there. We're considering you to be from the successful academy. And there's a there's a twist in your award. A guy named Brad Greeman, a professor emeritus at the University of Minnesota, was honored by the same group that honored you as teacher educator of the year after 42 years as an agricultural educator both at high school and university levels and i understand you studied under brad greenman uh dr greenman was actually my advisor at the university of minnesota for pizza so i have spent i have spent an uh, uh, an exorbitant amount of time with that gentleman and, and i learned a lot uh, and it was so cool to win side by side and um you know, when, when we won the regional contest, the sixth state won, uh, we both kind of laughed. And we're like, I bet this has never happened before. And then his award was about uh, two or three uh, awards before mine on the national level. And he won, and I'm going, there's no possible way. Oh, no, that's weird. I'm ever going to win this. And uh, just, it was, it was super cool. And he was one of the first people I called after, um, you know, he called mom and grandma and, and then Dr. Graham and I had a good conversation and, and talked about what what it meant to both of us and how cool it was. 
That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Is the high mileage the result of the light weight of the vehicle you made? Um, it, it, that depends so much on the track. So we do uh, the Minnesota contest is in Brainerd, mm-hmm. and that track's relative. You know, it's a three mile road course. We do two laps around there, um, and then we weigh the fuel. That's kind of, that's how we figure out what the mileage will end up being. Um, but when we go to California, there's a big nasty hill, and so a lightweight car. And a super lightweight driver comes in really handy. Mm-hmm. In Brainerd, our school record is held by a guy that was six foot three and two hundred and eighty-five pounds. Nice. With a with a box stock Briggs and Stratton engine. Still had the air filter. We just extended the um, the exhaust so it would exit the body of the vehicle. Um, and he was five hundred and eleven miles per gallon in in a car that they built. What, wow. what what would its top speed be? Uh, so we're competition limited to thirty miles an hour. We tell we make it so the cars can't go more than that. Right. They're still they're still student built, student driven cars, and we we have to make sure that everybody's safe and rollovers and and uh, wheels breaking off and chains being thrown happens quite often. Right. Are, are, so we, we want to make sure everybody's gonna be safe. Are you in the ground floor of something that we might be seeing available to the public? Um, well, there's there's a handful of vehicles out there that are, are taking this kind of uh, of approach and, and real minimalistic. Um, you know, the our urban concept, the street legal cars. Uh, we could put two people in them mm-hmm. uh, for for the contest rules. We don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I've done a little bit of research in Minnesota. If I made the lights a little bit bigger and the brake lights a little bit bigger, for about 700 bucks, I could get a license plate for it. Uh, the biggest problem is I don't want to get insurance on it right. because we're not going to go out and drive it. But I would have to have the insurance to get the license plate, and I can come up with a whole lot better uses for 700 bucks. Right. Kenny, do you have something for Luke? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, my question is a lot like uh, the one Such just posed to you. If I brought you my, what is this thing, a 2016 uh, GMC three-quarter ton fuel-injected, could you at least get me up to 30 miles per gallon <laughs> instead of 12? I, I mean, do you guys have that capability? Do you do you know? Could you could could you do that? Um, I don't think you would like it because by the time we were done, it would look like a cyber truck, and <laughs> everything that you enjoy of that vehicle would be taken out of it. Yeah, I need to tow, and I need uh, air conditioning and a heater. Then forget uh, it. Once you're once you're going fifty five miles an hour, who cares about air conditioning? Oh, God, you sound like my grandpa. Listen to you. Come on, man. That's what he said the holes in the floor were for. Every vehicle, has, every vehicle on the planet has 55 AC. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is just so remarkable, uh, remarkable to me. Have you seen the movie Dazed and Confused? Uh, yeah. my, my shop class was like that. They, they taught me how to build a bong, and uh, I, I learned how to arc weld. And because of my arc welding, that made me a really good grinder. So basically, I didn't learn anything in shop class. Luke, my partner is Patrick Royce, and in shop class, he made an ashtray so ugly that his mother quit smoking. <laughs> 
<laughs> Luke, what do you drive personally? What is your vehicle? Um, I just lost the lifters on my on my fifteen hundred Silverado and uh, bought a twenty two Outback last weekend. Okay, and are, are you going to tinker with it? Or are you just accept it from the factory and that's fine with you? You know, I kind of hate working on cars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and yeah. It, I give give me a dirt bike. Give me uh, right. Uh, a super mileage car, I enjoy that. Um, working with Mike, I got to build a dirt bike that sat in the Smithsonian for nine months. Like, yeah, sometimes things just don't get any better than that. And right. I'll stay away from cars. But you have to admit, even working on a dirt bike is getting frustrating these days when you have to remove the entire subframe just to get to the carburetor. Uh, you know, even that drives me crazy. Well, that depends what you ride. If you don't buy four strokes, you don't have to do that. Yeah, I'm talking about my two-stroke. You know, we should background Such on uh, Mike. Um, uh, Mike Schultz was a, a dirt bike rider and a snowmobile racer, and he had a crash. I believe it was on the sled and lost uh, half of his leg, right? right? Yeah. yeah, about three inches above the left knee. And so instead of giving up and going home and crying, he's adapted his bikes and his sleds and everything else uh, to, to keep doing the same thing. I, I love guys that, uh, well, uh, as my mom would say, don't learn their lesson. They keep doing it. <laughs> Luke, I'm envious uh, of the kids you have in class. I, I got to think they, uh, they enjoy it, and I see that in the acceptance of your award, you were very uh, uh, gracious to the students, saying that you couldn't do it without uh, those kids uh, being so eager to perform like this. I, this was my statement. And I will stand by it till the day I die. Mm-hmm. No teacher has ever won an award that their students didn't earn. Do you yeah. foresee this yeah. as your life to stay in Bram? Uh, what if NASA calls and offers you a big deal? What? What? Where are you headed? How old are you? I'm. Uh, I'm 36, and I, I have no clue what the future holds. Are you married? Um, I am. You have a. I've you have kids. A, I have a one year, basically a one year old daughter. Okay. What's your name? So. What, Joe? No, Jesus. I want to see if it's Foghornable. Oh, okay, oh, gotcha. Oh. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> oh, God, I guess I won't know yeah, that. See, yeah. Yeah. listen to Mr. Becker. I'm curious, too, about your uh, your relationship with your students post-high school, because uh, I said this on the show a couple of weeks ago. I lost my shop teacher a couple weeks back, and he was literally the coolest teacher I had. And I was an awful shop student, by the way. I think you're all being uncharitable calling Luke a shop teacher. Well, well that's what we call but, it. But I guess that's, what I, that's my reference point is Mr. Temple was my shop teacher, and he was the coolest teacher in school. So officially my title is Agricultural Science and Technology because I do chemistry, physics, build uh we run an entire production greenhouse uh, oh wow yeah, this is fantastic wow. you give us hope that, that, uh, son you give us hope that the uh <laughs> there are still successful academies out there but but it, like you were gonna i bet you were about to say mr becker the the kids when when they talk about the next class say uh i've got shop class coming up here after lunch right that's how they say it um it depends on what we're what we're doing because i I've got a greenhouse class, and I've got a uh, vet science class after lunch. So you never know how that all plays out, but I do have welding coming up next. I'm 56. Can I can did I go back that? to high school? <laughs> Kenny, did you hear that? He's got yeah, welding, welding. welding coming can, up next. I, I've got a welder. I just don't have the ability to use it Kenny properly. Kenny wants to know if he can enroll I, up at I, I want to go back to high school. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys asked a question about my relationship with students, and, and what, uh, what's been really fun is um, – with with 
everything that we do, you know, my super mileage team, I've got three students that came back last year. Um, I actually run the entire contest for Minnesota, so I'm never actually with my team, but my former students have come back and help coach. And Oh, cool. Um, How fun. Get the, get the team a track. Uh, I got a couple, three that are working still on a NASA project we've been playing with for three years that's Jeez. about to get sent down to them. Wow. Um, but but I got a call from a, a student of mine yesterday uh, congratulating me on the award, and he's working at Tesla. Oh, and he's boy. telling me, oh, wow. congratulate, or thank you for everything you've done for me. And I'm like, dude, I didn't teach you anything. <laughs> at the point that he was here, there was nothing that was electric <laughs> at all. Yeah, but you, you lit this, you, you, made, you made the spark, you know, you lit the spark. You, you made it happen. Yeah, and I, I do stay in contact with a lot of my former students, and, and there's a lot of them doing some really cool things. Luke, we can't thank you enough. As I say, you give us great hope. Uh, congratulations. I, I'm, I'm convinced you're going to have a long, long, interesting career. And uh, best wishes to you and yours. Well, I got an invite I'm going to throw at you just for the fun of it. Yep. Um, in, uh, on May 9th and 10th, we were on the Minnesota Super Mileage Contest up in Brainerd. Oh, I, that, at, that'd at be PR. fun, man. Why don't you guys come up and interview some of the kids? Oh, my God, that would be spectacular. How did we take the show there that day? That, there's nothing more GL than that, Such. Right. Right there. Right. right there. What did you say, Luke? You, I'm sorry, Mr. Becker, it was May 9th and 10th? Yep. May, May 9th and 10th. We'll be in touch. That would be spectacular. Thanks, Luke. Thank you for uh, having me on and especially taking some time out of the day that's as important as this one. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, mm. Luke Becker at Bram High School. Sounds like an amazing young guy, doesn't he? That is. He fantastic. also makes me feel very inadequate with my existence <laughs> in life. I couldn't tie my shoes till I was about a sophomore in high school. Wow, what a cool guy. May 9th and 10th, he said? Yes, May no. 9th and 10th in Brainerd. I'm making a note. I don't need to make a note to get to Grunhofer's. My stomach makes that note. Ah. You know, I can tell when it's time to get to Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo. That's the original location on Highway 61, just north of Hugo. And the newest store, of course, is in Forest Lake on Highway 97, just east of Interstate 35, for the most delicious, delicious selection of meats you will ever encounter, including 139 flavors of brats, soup meats, meatloafs, Wagyu steaks and burgers, potato salad, seasoning, ham, bacon, you name it, chicken, everything you'll ever want. And uh, as we know... Grill, uh, GLers grill all year long, but much of Spencer's stuff, you don't even have to go outside to cook it. You can cook it in the kitchen. That's right. You can cook it right in the kitchen. It's Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. They've been with us from the beginning of the podcast. We appreciate it, and so do GLers. It's Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo and Forest Lake. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here once again for Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. And as you've been hearing over the course of the last couple of months, Josh asks you one simple question, and that's always, do you know what you own? You see, Josh's clients, they always know what they own. And Josh has found that most people that he meets with every single day, well, they don't. They absolutely have no idea. Josh has also seen retirement portfolios that have a big percentage in bonds. And there are real instances of people paying more in commissions and fees than they can possibly make on the rate of return that those bonds currently yield. So Josh begs of you, know what you own. And you'll hear from Mr. Money Talk later today here in Garage Logic to give you a specialized report on the goings-on in the market today. 
Trust is often overused, and it's even harder to find. Please, you can take it from me that you can trust Josh. So give him a call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation, and you do so by calling 952-925-5608. Once again, that's 952-925-5608 for Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life, Joe Souchere. Uh, John, I have a, a, a question about the Krabby Show we did last week, but first I want to talk about DKMags.com. They're located in New Brighton on Old 8 and Monticello Pond and Gun on the web at MontyPond.com, south of 94 on 25 in Monticello. Big announcement regarding DK Mags here. Uh, DK Mags now offering carry classes. Uh, so if you're in the mood and you're thinking about it, get a hold of the folks at DKMags.com. Get signed up. By the way, if you're a firearms aficionado, they're also looking for a gun guy or gal full-time at Monticello Pond and Gun. And now this is the question for you, John. Did we talk to Dawn on the Krabby Show last week about her going hunting? Uh, yes. Okay, good, good. She, she wanted to go with you. It sounds like uh, the guys at DK Mags were listening, and not only are they going to help her out with the hunting, but they're also willing to help her learn and operate all firearms from personal protection to small and large game hunting. That's the kind of folks we're dealing with here at uh, DK Mags and Monty Pond, just regular folks like the rest of us. Uh, but the point is, the big announcement here, and it's huge, DK Mags now running carry classes so you can get your Minnesota permit to carry. Uh, so let's get you signed up. Truly a wonderful, a couple of wonderful shops of four GLers run by GLers. Uh, yesterday, the eruption of volcanoes in Indonesia came up. Yeah, and uh, I think it was Kenny who wondered what was the uh, what was the uh, eruption of the uh, 19th century volcano that darkened the skies for ages. And uh, no, no, uh, wasn't me. Uh, somebody blurted out Krakow. Well, uh, Krakow is a city in Poland. I, I just it was a blurt. Uh, yep. I didn't think it was right. We were we were meaning to say Krakatoa. <laughs> Yeah. Crack a toe. Gotcha. And then we also had an interview yesterday with John Coleman, the founder of the Weather Channel. And uh, we, we, we thought it was recent. And uh, John died in 2018. Oh, so, well. But that doesn't yeah. diminish that interview. Correct. That was factual. No. no. It was factual, but and I did, certainly wasn't. He died in 2018 at the age of 83. And I did ask Kenny when it was from. Kenny didn't know the answer to yeah. that because I do no. remember seeing it years ago. But, yeah, it, uh, we missed that yeah, one. At, at least three years ago. The important day that Luke Becker was referring to, of course, was December 7th, 1941. That was a Saturday 80 years ago today. I'm sorry, it was a Sunday, Sunday. 80 years yeah. ago today. And the uh, the harbor was attacked at, in, uh, at Hawaiian time at about oh, 7.40 a.m. Uh, thereabouts, which would have been 20 minutes to 1 in the Twin Cities or in Minnesota. And you can imagine what... Uh, life was like, you know, it was a Sunday. People came home from church and uh, had the Sunday meal going. It was getting close to Christmas. There were probably 17 and 18-year-olds out in the backyard playing touch football. And and I don't know how quickly Americans learned of it. It would have been by radio. You, you would think that, well, I, I would think that by mid-afternoon to late afternoon, it certainly had to be on the radio. Yeah. And... Uh, and and to think what these kids must have known, well, I guess I know. My dad would have been 24. 
he knew where he was headed. Yeah. And his brother was either 25 or 26. He went into the Navy. My dad went into the Army. And uh, you can imagine what that day must have been like when, when people heard about this, because they might not have known, uh, are we going to get attacked? You know, mm-hmm. is Minneapolis, St. Paul going to get attacked? And that, that did not come to fruition. I've got a number of notes. Dave Bliss writing from Bulgaria. In yesterday's podcast, you referenced the classic Christmas movie, White Christmas. You mentioned about how the four main characters went to Vermont to do a performance and found, to their surprise, no snow. Full disclosure at this point. I have not listened to the whole show yet, so it is possible Mr. FYI has already corrected you. But in case he has not, I felt it my great responsibility to point out that they did not, in fact, go to Vermont with the intent of doing a performance. They were performers that went to Vermont for vacation. While there, they quickly came to realize that the resort owner was the old general of Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye's characters from World War II. It is only after they discovered the general's business was going under that they gathered their fellow soldiers from around the country to come to a performance they put on to help save the general's business. Unlike what most entertainers might do in this position, Crosby's character even went so far as to refuse to have the show broadcast as he did not want to make this effort to help their old commander into a cheap PR stunt. The movie presents a great message about honoring those who served in combat. I'm sure it struck a chord in the hearts of its original 1954 viewers, many of whom would have been on the battlefield themselves just a decade or so earlier. By the way, there is a comical scene in the movie where Danny and Bing dress up as women and perform a number that their co-stars, Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen, had performed in a previous scene. I have it on good authority, my rarely wrong sister-in-law, that this scene was not part of the original script. Bing and Danny were just messing around on the set one day, dressed up like ladies and lip-syncing to the song. The bit was such a hit, they decided to put it in the final cut. Merry Christmas from Bulgaria, where we have unseasonably early snow and seem to be on our way to a white Christmas ourselves. More proof of absolutely nothing, David Bliss. Why Uh, were they goofing around dressed up as women? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you know. Was it the weekend? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Joe, my dad was a World War II Navy vet, so I grew up knowing what December 7th was in our history. Dad was not in the Navy at the time of the bombing, but served later on a destroyer in the Pacific. In 2009, he was part of an honor flight group visiting Washington. When at World War II Memorial, Bob Dole came to greet his group, making the rounds and shaking each vet's, each vet's hand and thanking them for their service. I got a picture back home of Dad and Bob Dole shaking left hands. Dad was a natural lefty, so it seemed pretty easy for him. The look on their faces showed the mutual respect they had for one another. The irony was that one was a lifelong Democrat and the other a lifelong Republican. I think there's a lesson there for all of us. My dad passed in 2018, and I like to think maybe he and Bob may be reenacting that handshake again today. Sent from our winter retreat in Orange Beach, Alabama. 75 here today. A bit cooler than you are. Uh, Doug (laughs) the Barber writes that. Thank you, Doug. And I got a great note from Bill Stein, who writes, Today we celebrate the 80th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor. I will, of course, remember our great friend Paul Filer, a veteran of the attack, who we've had on the show before Paul died. Uh, I will sound his bosun's pipe and read from his pocket Catholic devotional that he received from his aunt on his first communion. He carried it with him all through the war. I will bring communion to his lovely wife, Vel, at her lake home where she still lives on her own at 92 and as sharp as they come. 
Terry and I, that's Bill's wife, enjoy visiting her every Sunday. Good luck and God's blessing on this sacred day, Bill Stein. Uh, that's a great memory of Paul Filer, who we had on one day years ago to sing Danny Boy. You recall oh, that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Paul Filer. And, I, uh, I, go ahead, John. I was just going to say, I did do a little research on, uh, we wanted to know how fast people learned about it. Right. Uh, we thought it was 12.55 hour time, correct, that the uh, attack basically started? No, a little uh, earlier, a little earlier. 12, oh, earlier than that. Okay. 1240, 12.30. 12.40, okay. Yeah. Uh, some first bulletins went out on the radio at, I'll do all of these in central time, One twenty-two, but they were very sketchy. Right. You know? Just right. that there was an attack. Uh, then there were uh, radio broadcasts of football games that day that started mentioning uh, oh. that there was something going on at Pearl Harbor they didn't know. And it was at 2.18 our time where somebody uh, from uh, Mr. Roosevelt, President Roosevelt's team, went into the press room and said, yes, there's been an attack. And that started going out on the radio at that point. And then at 3.10 hour time during the Jack Benny show, uh, they cut in to start talking about the attack on the radio. Think so. of the 18-year-olds at the dinner table that afternoon. Mm-hmm. They knew exactly what was in store for them because the country was terribly united and terribly shocked by this, terribly shocked. And they knew instantly, man, we sh- we'll all be doing something about this. But we'll all be doing something. From what I read, FDR at the time was really trying to uh, inspire the country and uh, politicians to get involved with World War II, but we weren't, as a country, united on that notion until (laughs) until Pearl Harbor, and then uh, we were all in. It was a bunch of guys from St. Paul who fired the first shot, too, from the USS Ward, which was Hmm. just outside the harbor, the USS Ward. Uh, It brought the country together, and we all wonder, will that ever happen again? And we don't know. I don't think it will. Look at the respect Bob Dole had for George H.W. Bush. Mm-hmm. They were fighting comrades. They were. They both mm-hmm. served in World War II. My and grandpa was angry his whole life that he couldn't go, mm-hmm. Joe, because of his uh, hernia. And he ended up uh, moving down to Minneapolis and building gliders. Evidently, we built gliders yeah. at the uh, base there. Um, where the uh, airport is now, and that's what he did for a World War II. Well, it was here where George H.W. learned to fly. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know oh, that. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it was such a big deal that my point is guys that wanted to go weren't let in for various medical reasons mm-hmm. and then carried that guilt around with them for the rest of their lives. Do you know that that attack probably could not happen today, December no. 7th, 2021, uh, Steve Letting is letting me know that there's a blizzard warning in effect for Hawaii's Big Island. Oh. Uh, the forecaster's warning that up to 8 inches of snow is possible. The uh, warning in effect through 6 a.m. local time for the mountain region said that travel should be restricted to emergencies only. Blowing snow will significantly reduce visibility at times with periods of zero visibility, according to the National Weather Service. In addition to 8 inches of snow potentially being dumped on the region, there may also be winds of up to 125 miles per hour. Blizzard warnings for Hawaii are rare, but not unheard of in the tropical destination. The last blizzard warning issued by the National Weather Service in Hawaii was more than three and a half years ago. The Big Island has summits that reach heights of nearly 14,000 feet. So hmm. snow is not uh, And that's where the snow, snow is going to be, right? It's going right. to be up at elevation. Right. But, you know, with 125-mile-an-hour winds, do you think they, with uh, the technology of 1941, you would have launched an attack? Probably not. Yeah. What a day, huh? I wasn't here. 
yet. Not so that you old. Say. Yeah. So you say. Yeah. <laughs> Close though, huh? And I've told oh. you guys many times. I just uh, I was tardy. I was tardy in, in grilling my own father about World War II. I was just tardy about it. He was yeah. 24. He knew instantly. I bet that he was going. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I got a picture of him in his uniform. It's uh, not kind of waving goodbye. <laughs> you know? Wow. I think that whole generation, though, I, I didn't say one word to my uncles or father about World War II, and they all served. Is it Was it a thing where they just really didn't want to talk about it? I don't know. Just different cats. They yep. did what they had to do. They weren't looking for any attention. They weren't looking for anything. Hmm. This is what they had to be done. A different, completely different mindset. It's exactly the way I would have been, probably. Really? I'm kidding. <laughs> so your father flew around the jet fuel. We all knew that. Yeah. Um, but you said he was in charge of navigation? Yeah. He wow. was a navigator on, a, on planes that flew barrels of gasoline through the Himalayas. And you crossed the river twice. To get to a hockey game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. I, uh, again, I and I'd never grilled my uncle, who was in the Navy, uh, who yeah. became a doctor. He was on a ship the whole time. And my uncles, my mom's brothers, uh, months would go by without uh, my grandmother hearing from them and not knowing what their wow. fate was. And, yeah. But that's com- that was common to all Americans, mm-hmm. all Americans, which is why I think that Sunday afternoon dinner on December 7, 1941, must have been really, really sobering. Must have been really sure. quiet yeah. as as parents looked at their kids and thought, oh, my God, what's going to happen here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 80 years. My uh, sort of a side note, my mother absolutely hated the Christmas song, I'll Be Home for Christmas, mm-hmm. because she said all it reminded her of was World War II. Nobody knew where their family members were when they were fighting. And you won't be home for Christmas one way or the other. Absolutely yeah. hated it. Right. Well, I don't blame her. I mean... Look what she was dealing with. Yeah. And uh, I think I'm still within my time limit. Will all of this make Jack Benny come back? <laughs> well. Sunday afternoon on the radio, the Jack Benny show. Mm. Jack Benny show. And what college football games. I've heard that soundbite seven million times. What the hell is it from? Uh, uh, something with TV, remember? It was a, something. Was it an infomercial? Explaining something about technology. Oh, yeah, and okay. The, and, and the woman uh, wanted to know if she could watch Jack Benny then. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the grief you guys gave me about Kingsford Charcoal? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Your 20-minute yeah. oh, yeah. uh, ad for him? It ended up selling an ad night. I never intended that. If you'll recall, it was it was really a product of the Ford Motor Company as they we were go. as they we were go. selling the idea of you know using a, these <laughs> primitive cars to go camping and cooking outside and they came up with charcoal 60 all right well i got this from michael gladowski uh, in iron mountain michigan joe i live in iron mountain michigan but our children graduated from kingsford high school a new steakhouse opened called henry steakhouse honoring henry ford you would love it the food is amazing and the decor is fabulous. Lights, windows, and mirrors from the plant are in the restaurant. Throughout the dining room are pictures of Henry and Edsel, Henry and Thomas Edison, Woody cars in a corner highlighting Kingsford charcoal. Enjoy Beth Ladowski, and she uh, she sent nine pictures. And this place, if you're ever in Iron Mountain, man, that's where I'm going. It really looks nifty. And sure enough, there's a tribute to charcoal briquettes. 
that the Ford Motor Company had a, a big hand in, in bringing about. Ford charcoal briche, uh, briquettes. Fuel, huh. fuel of 100 uses for barbecues, picnics, hotels, restaurants, ships, clubs, homes, railroads, trucks, foundries. Uh, I can't even read the writing so small. Charcoal briquettes. It just, and they got a display there. So hmm. if you're ever in Iron Mountain, Michigan, go to a Henry Steakhouse. You have a little trouble with that, Reavers? No, no. Take you all up there. Hey, hon, we're going to swing by the old steakhouse quick. <laughs> oh, I think it sounds neat. <laughs> Henry uh, Henry, and the boys spent a lot of time in uh, uh, the northern Michigan. They, I think Henry owned uh, vast tracts of forest land. And, you know, because Woody's used to be real wood. Oh. Yeah. That was real. <laughs> I don't know if you know that or not. Oh, <laughs> just wanted to make sure you did know that. I, Thanks, Joe. I wow. wanted you to know that. Uh, yeah, yeah, now we do. Thank wow. you. All right. Did uh, you know that uh, Henry was the only guy who was favorably mentioned in Mein Kampf by Hitler? Well, that's yeah. not an honor that's, I would have wanted. True, that's a true fact. Right, right. Yeah. Henry had some uh, some problems in that department. Yeah. You think? Yeah, yeah, he was somewhat of a bastard. <laughs> so his buddy Charles Lindbergh. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And the deuce was kind of a creep himself, too, wasn't well, he? I don't think he had a uh, problem with uh, <laughs> yeah, our brother he, and sister. Yeah, yeah. no, he, he didn't have a swastika <laughs> flag in his office. No, no. Uh, and a note on the uh, Beatles documentary, uh, Steve uh-oh. managed to link the Beatles and bail reform. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, I admire that's this. I admire this. He said, I watched the Beatles documentary and agree with you and John. It was well made and worth the time spent watching. During one of the episodes, I found myself think I found myself thinking of some of our progressive leaders throughout the country and their efforts around bail reform. If they are pushing low or no bail, can we at least have a policy that anyone arrested for committing a crime must spend 24 hours in a jail cell with recordings of Yoko Ono singing piped in nonstop? (laughs) This would at least reduce the number of repeat offenders. I couldn't agree more. And she wasn't singing. She was just caterwauling. Perfect word. Yeah, she was caterwauling. Go away, you, 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 you. Don't call me a you you <laughs> and don't think i won't i know what to get you for christmas no don't no. <laughs> all right and uh i have more oh this guy wants to i want to give this guy his due this guy thomas valerius writes you are quick to point out the left craziness failed academy etc but often neglect the right crazies i, I disagree no. i don't think we do <laughs> Thomas Massey, Christmas picture with his family holding rifles. Yes, that did not come up on the show, but if you want me to agree that he's an idiot, Tom, uh, I will agree. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. Did you see that? The mm-hmm. family photograph of yeah. this congressman and they're all holding? Yeah. Uh, yep. Well, it, it, how tone deaf a guy are you when you just had the incident in Oxford, Pretty Michigan? Bad. Oxford High School. Pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Is it Oxford High School? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, do you think we haven't commented on her, Tom? She's a moron. Cheryl Bobert, the same story. She attacked uh, Ilhan. Lauren, Lauren Bobert. I'm sorry, Lauren, Lauren Bobert. Yeah. Madison Crawford, a nut job. Matt Getz, sexual predator. This is the state of today's GOP endorsed by Trump and Kevin McCarthy. Where is your common sense? Wait a minute. You spent an entire show on Matt Getz. <laughs> right. Yep. I agree. Uh, yeah. Ilhan Omar and the squad are just as bad, but when you focus on them, you give GOP crazies a pass. No, no, I don't, pal. 
Even Ronald Reagan would be considered too moderate for these right-wing nuts, That your, but your show is afraid to call out the right-wing extremists due to ratings. Uh, well, on. you couldn't be more uh, wrong, Bill. No. No. You know, I'll read your email. They're, you got uh, your due, but you're, uh, you're, uh, you're not thinking clearly. We'll, we'll talk about this a bit later in the news, too, because a very prominent Republican went after all those folks last night. Mm-hmm. Went after and, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Gates and so. Is it Gates or is it Gates? Yes. It's oh. Gates. Oh, it's Gates. Oh, it's I'm Gates. Sorry. Okay. It's Gates, yep. Yeah. Okay. And Reagan himself had a lot of issues with the Republican Party and um, was smart enough to not go public with them and start a public debate about it because he knew – uh, he knew what today's Republicans don't know, that we need a unified party in order to stop the spread of socialism, basically. Well, that's what uh, And that's what today's conservatives and Republicans don't get. They're more than willing to go after each other uh, and, meanwhile, let what, what what's already happened in Washington happen. Uh, don't you think part of the problem is McCarthy just not mm-hmm. having the, the mm-hmm. cojones to mm-hmm. get the party in line? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, let's do it. Let's not screw around. Yeah. But, you know. One more note on the episode at the Aldi store from last week. Mm-hmm. You'll recall that a policeman yep. was videotaped ostensibly showing him using uh, what is what what his critics would call unnecessary force. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and I think the uh, Gumption County deputy uh, has been a credible friend of the show. And I think we, oh, need absolutely. To, we need to read his email. Yesterday, I was finally able to listen to last Friday's podcast regarding the incident at Aldi's. In Minneapolis, I just wanted to add a couple of thoughts. Uh, now, uh, now I have not seen the video. The most important thing missing in this situation is context. Without knowing the full context of the incident, I will not make any specific comments about what occurred at Aldi's. The officer may have not handled the incident correctly, but it is just as plausible. He did everything right. We don't know all the details yet. One issue that came up was de-escalation. All cops are for de-escalation, but you must realize in police work at some point, things need to get done. Every cop has stories on how they've asked someone 10, 20, 30 times to do something. Let me see your ID. Leave the area. Show me your hands. The list of requests and commands is endless. Yet no matter how professional, polite, and respectful you are, some people simply refuse to comply. To complicate things further, some people view your attempts at being kind to them as weakness. Eventually, you need to act and bring the situation to an end. So, yes, people do get taken down to the ground forcibly. Things will fall out of their pockets. Pants will get ripped. And regrettably, they or the officer may get hurt in the process. Police work is not always clean. I wish it was. The overwhelming majority of cops do not want to put their hands on anyone ever. Doing so only creates more headaches. But as I said, at some point, something needs to be done. Another issue that was, that was mentioned was the officer involved had five complaints filed against him in the last two years. The thing you need to understand about complaints is they cost nothing to file. Those who do not like cops have no hesitation to file a complaint for the slightest reason. People will file complaints to create trouble for the cop or cops involved with the hopes of getting their own charges dropped. Of course, there are legitimate complaints, but not all of them are. Two complaints in my own career come to mind. One, I had to go through a full internal affairs investigation, complete with recorded interviews, rights being read, and union representation. The person filing the complaint was asked if I was rude or disrespectful. Did I swear at him? Did I call him names? Did I hit him? Did I threaten him? He answered no to everything. When he asked why he filed the complaint, he answered, the fine for the ticket is too high. Needless to say, I was exonerated, as I had as much to do with the fine schedule as I do with the time of sunrise and sunset. 
Second example, I stopped and gave a driver, a driver a verbal warning for speed. We had a short and cordial conversation. I concluded the stop by saying, be careful getting into traffic, have a good night, and please get home safely. I did not give the stop a second thought. The next day, my superior called to say the driver filed a complaint at me for yelling and swearing at him. To say I was shocked does not even begin to scratch the surface. To reiterate what I said at the beginning, I have not seen the video, so I am neither defending or damning the officer involved in the Aldi's incident. I only wanted to add some comments to the general framework of the discussion. As always, keep up the great work. Signed, the Gumption County Deputy. All right. Very good. Very, very good nice. email. Very nice. Very nice. Why don't we come back with Johnny Heights News? GLers, it's Reavers here once again for Chillboys and Chillboys.com. Guess what now is available if you go online to Chillboys.com? Yes, performance long underwear. And I got to tell you, they're pretty dang sweet. I got a pair just a couple of weeks ago, and they are fantastic. So, obviously, winter is coming here. We all know that. But now, in, in addition to the most comfortable underwear that you can ever possibly own, the most comfortable long underwear that you can also own is now available at chillboys.com. Yes, of course, they still have the performance boxers, the bamboo boxers, the boxer briefs. Everything that you want is all still available at chillboys.com, but now including long underwear, performance t-shirts too, by the way. And don't forget all of your orders that are over $40 those ship fast and free throughout the entire United States of America when you're thinking about giving gifts this upcoming holiday season think about chillboys and chillboys.com and when you place your order at chillboys.com please don't forget to let them know that you heard about them on the garage logic podcast truth justice and the suture Well, they might not get 500 miles to the gallon like Luke Becker and his students up in Bram create when they build a uh, street-legal vehicle, but I'm talking about those scooters that turn every errand, every urban errand into an adventure from EcoFun Motorsports. 65 to 75 miles to the gallon is not out of the question. How's that for beating the man, huh? Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, 300 bucks off all Yamaha electric bikes, $200 off. Those uh, Bintelli electric bikes and uh, Bintelli scooters. Your choice of three models on sale for only twelve ninety nine. You'll beat the man at the pump. All Yamaha clothing, ten percent off. Full snowmobile servicing. If you need to get your sled ready to go this winter and uh, look outside, you might as well get it ready. And they're still accepting winter storage units for those who waited. This is all at EcoFun Motorsports, just in time for Christmas, to great youth recreational equipment. Man, how fun would it be to give a kid a little 4x4 to go tearing around the South 40 uh, in the back there for a Christmas present. And uh, it's all available. Those youth ATVs start at $10.99 at EcoFun Motorsports. It's on Highway 61. Where else? It's on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. Minnesota now has a projected budget surplus of Yay! over $7.7 billion. Not counting the money they keep raking in that we've already sent that, the federal government to send it back cor- here. That's correct. This does not include the Federal American Rescue Plan funding or the COVID-19 response money. I want my money back! <laughs> Uh, Minnesota management and budget noted the outlook is, quote, significantly better for this biennium and the next due to an improved U.S. economic outlook that is bolstered by large federal actions that have emerged since November and were not incorporated in our earlier projections. 
This is the latest in a series of up-and-down budget forecasts that were significantly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. In February 2020, the forecast showed a $1.5 billion surplus, which swung to $2.4 billion deficit by May of 2020. However, by February of this year, the forecast again showed a surplus of $1.6 billion, now up to $7.7 billion. The large surplus fueled by strong growth in income, consumer spending, and corporate profits. However, many continue to be disproportionately impacted, according to the MMB, by unemployment, especially lower wage workers. Joe, we're making money. Mm-hmm. We're getting, no, you're being taxed too highly. Oh, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get it all back, Joe, don't worry. Absolutely. (laughs) The Minnesota State Fair will have its own police department again in 2022 after the force was disbanded earlier this year following the chief's resignation. State Fair GM Jerry Hammer said the police department will return once the fair's agreement with the Ramsey County Sheriff's Office ends on December 31st. The fair decided to partner with an outside law enforcement agency after former State Fair Police Chief Paul Paulos submitted his resignation in May. Sources say at that time, Paulos wanted better training and equipment for officers. Commander Ran Naflov, the Ramsey County Sheriff's Office, will serve as the new State Fair Police Chief, according to Hammer. The fair is still planning on working with the Sheriff's Office, the State Patrol, and other law enforcement, medical services, and security contractors. Refresh my memory. We didn't have any big, huge incidents, did we? Not, not no, this past not that year. I remember. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't remember. I, I remember seeing more um, law enforcement officers yeah. than ever before. Wasn't there though one where they tried to get into the fairgrounds? I don't know. If we had Fletcher on the show, and he he was reporting a pretty safe environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So. Police from nearby cities were called in to help with crowd control as West St. Paul officers investigating the shooting of a man and a woman outside a Mendota Road gas station Sunday night. Investigators and medics were called to the report of a shooting at the Marathon gas station at 433 East Mendota Road about 845 on Sunday. When police got there, they found a woman with a gunshot wound to her lower body and a man with multiple gunshot wounds. Both taken to Regents Hospital. The woman's injuries were not believed to be life-threatening. The man did undergo surgery, his current condition not known. Police think the man and woman were targeted by a shooter. No arrest has been made. But while officers are trying to secure the area and provide medical attention to the man, a large group of bystanders gathered, interrupted investigators, and refused to leave. At one point, members of the group tried to take control of a vehicle that what? one of the wounded occupied. Uh, the woman was in the wounded ve- uh, in the vehicle, wounded, the and they world? tried to take control of that. Officers stopped that. Officers from the surrounding communities of South St. Paul, Invergrove Heights, Mendota Heights, Egan, Washington County, Cottage Grove, Woodbury, State Patrol, and St. Paul Police Jesus. responded to help with crowd control. Wow. Anyone who has information about the shootings are asked to call the West St. Paul Police Department. Is there a relationship between the development of the crowd and the shootings? Uh, that was not addressed in any of the stories I read, hmm. so I, I don't I don't know, cannot answer that, Mr. Reber. Uh, this is from uh, Tom Hauser, who uh, yes. covers the political scene for KSTP. Yeah, DFL House Majority Leader Ryan Winkler says, "Quote: The message from this budget forecast is that the Democratic policies work." He says there's a generational opportunity to make life better for average Minnesotans, and mentions more spending for housing and child care. Sure. Because they got $7.7 billion a year money they didn't anticipate. <laughs> John, I, I don't think we're getting that money. But I, was, I was just going to say, perhaps we won't be getting it back. 
The recent cold temperatures have allowed crews to start creating the Ice Castles attraction in New Brighton. On Monday, artists started to grow and harvest icicles for the structure. According to the company, each day ice artisans will be placing up to 10,000 icicles to build the Ice Fortress and Sculpture Garden, which includes slides, tunnels, fountains, caverns, and ice thrones. The attraction is expected to open in early January, the company says. The new Brighton location, one of five of the Ice Castle's experiences in the United States. Uh, Governor Tim Walz also spoke up, Joe. Yes. This is from uh, Theo Keith. Theo works for Fox 9, right? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> Governor Walz on the record $7.7 billion projected budget surplus. Quote, it's crystal clear. Our economy is strong and growing. Mm-hmm. No new Omicron cases of COVID-19 in Minnesota, but our it's old so pal... It's so funny, isn't it? Mm-hmm. No, it's sad. <laughs> Depressing. But our old pal, the Delta variant, is causing some problems. COVID-19 hospitalizations in Minnesota increased to 1,570 on Friday, including 346 people getting intensive care. The state reported a 98% occupancy rate of adult intensive care beds when including COVID and non-COVID patients. Dr. Andrew Olson, a hospitalist and leader of the COVID-19 response for M Health Fairview, says there is a way to combat all this get your shots and limit chances of viral exposure. He points out that 72% of the COVID-19 patients in Fairview's hospitals are not vaccinated. Star Tribune reporting after a long and heated debate, the Brooklyn Center City Council passed a plan Monday night to fund alternative public safety programs. City Council voted five to nothing to approve the $1.3 million plan for the city's new agency that was proposed after Dante Wright was killed by a police officer in April. The updated budget would cost the city about six hundred grand. The city would freeze three police officers' positions, totaling about $303,000, and increase its lodging tax to bring in an additional $52,500. Grants would cover $725,000 for the city's Traffic Enforcement Department. However, the mayor and several people said it fell short of the original resolution's vision that was passed in April. After a presentation from the city manager, Mayor Mike Elliott said he was disappointed that a director for the new public safety agency was not explicitly budgeted as outlined by the original resolution that the city council passed in April. President Joe Biden telling Russian President Vladimir Putin today that the U.S. would, quote, pursue strong economic and other measures if Russia invades Ukraine. During a two-hour video call, the president reiterated U.S. support for Ukraine's sovereignty and called for a de-escalation, the White House said in a statement. The two leaders talked about a range of other issues between the two countries, including nuclear security, ransomware, and Iran. With Putin moving more than 90,000 military troops to the Ukrainian border in recent weeks, administration officials have said they think Russia could engage in military action, but are unclear whether Putin has decided to carry to do so, along with the military buildup. So to make sure you can hear me over the paper. Russia's also been look significantly... <laughs> no, keep going. I'm about to give you a bit a gem here. Keep going, John. Okay. Uh, Russia's also been significantly ramping up a misinformation campaign to make Ukraine appear as the aggressor. This is my imitation of uh, Putin during that uh, during, during that Zoom meeting. Yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, Beetle Bailey's funny today. Do you read Beetle Bailey? <laughs> <laughs> Just totally looking at the paper, not paying attention. You're so adorable, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good stuff there, Joey. <laughs> 
In an abrupt reversal and attorney for former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows said his client will not cooperate with the House Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol insurrection, citing a breakdown in negotiations with the panel. Attorney George Terwilliger said in a letter that a deposition would be untenable because the January 6th panel has, in his words, no intention of respecting boundaries concerning questions that former President Trump has claimed are off-limits because of executive privilege. Meanwhile, the former chief of staff to Vice President Pence is cooperating with the House panel investigating the January 6th insurrection. Mark Short was at the Capitol on January 6th. He accompanied Pence as he fled his post, presiding over the Senate and hid from rioters who were calling for his hanging. Short is cooperating with the panel after getting a subpoena, according to the person who was granted anonymity, to discuss any private interactions. Can I you- thought Twig played for the Cubs, didn't he? Who's Twig? Terwilliger? Wayne Terwilliger, oh. yeah. He played for the Senators. He played, he played for a bunch of teams, Kenny. Yeah, he's in politics, too, huh? He's, he's dead, Kenny. Yeah, he passed Tw- away Twig a couple is, years Twig ago. Is, Twig is dead, sorry. California Republican Representative Devin Nunes, who is one of former President <laughs> Donald Trump's most devoted loyalists in Congress, is leaving the House at the end of this year to join Trump's fledgling media company. A statement... <laughs> Statement Monday from the Trump Media and Technology Group said Nunes would serve as chief executive officer beginning in January of 2022. The company is trying to launch a social media platform intended to rival Twitter, which blocked Trump's account in January after the January 6th insurrection. I told you a prominent Republican went after the so-called Freedom Caucus last evening. Mm -hmm. Uh, That would be Texas Republican Dan Crenshaw, who's raising some eyebrows. Good. He called out members of his own caucus during a campaign event in Houston. Uh, He had called out especially a certain type of Republican legislator. He said, quote, there are two types of members of Congress. There's performance artists and there's legislators. Performance artists are the ones who get all the attention, the ones who think you think are more conservative because they know how to say slogans real well. They know how to recite the lines that they know our voters want to hear. Then he went further. He called out members of the Freedom Caucus. That includes Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, and Paul Gosar, among others. He said, what you hear so often is not true. It's not true. We have grifters in our midst. I mean, in the conservative movement, lie after lie after lie, because they know something psychologically about the conservative heart. We're worried about what people are going to do to us, what people are going to infringe upon us. That's the nature of conservatism. After that criticism, he then pivoted to praise Representative Adam Kinzinger, who's one of two Republicans sitting on the House Select Committee investigating the events of January 6th and has, of course, fallen out of favor with former President Trump. Uh, That, despite, as Crenshaw notes, Kinzinger voted with Trump. 99% of the time. Crenshaw, a veteran, former Green Beret, and while he's been a loyal supporter of Trump's policies, he's also been something of an iconoclast within the GOP. He's raised the ire of those toward the left with his backing of Trump and has folks who love him and hate him on both sides of the aisle. John, you're going to ruin our ratings because we don't talk about the crazies on the right. Oh, darn it. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's kind of interesting, though, that uh, Dan took off. I'm rooting for the pirate, man. We're in for the pirate. Yep. Well, that's, that's one way to Got put it. Got the eye I guess. patch going. Mm-hmm. Former Senator Robert Dole, who died Sunday at age 98, will lie in state in the U.S. Capitol Rotunda on Thursday. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer announcing that last night. 
Pelosi saying Senator Dole was an extraordinary patriot who devoted his entire life to serving our nation with dignity and integrity. Dole represented Kansas in the Senate from 1969 to 96, was a Senate Republican leader for more than a decade. He sought the presidency three times, winning the Republican nomination in 1996 before losing to incumbent Bill Clinton. There are no, for, uh, no formal rules that determine who is allowed to lie in state in the Capitol Rotunda, but the honor is typically been given to any person who has rendered distinguished service to the nation with the approval of their family and the Congress, according to the architect of the Capitol. Do both sides of the fractured Republican Party agree that Bob Dole was an okay guy? I don't I, know I about so. the crazies. Yeah, well, uh, he actually got a, wor- a nice word from former President Trump, which means the crazies will follow right Well, they'll along. have to say it then. I'm yeah. sorry. that I yeah. shouldn't have said that, oh, should I? Oh, God, John. As the, <laughs> as the nation observes, uh, as we talked about, the 80th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, uh, the uh, those killed on the Oklahoma, there's been a six-year project to match human remains uh, with names of the sailors, they've right. now stopped. They've stopped that now. Uh, they did identify 322, but 33 they could not identify with DNA samples. According to the Pentagon, those remains are being reinterred today at the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific in Hawaii, a site nicknamed the Punch Bowl. In total, 429 crew members from the Oklahoma died after several torpedoes hit that ship. Nearly three times as many service members died aboard the USS Arizona, which suffered the heaviest losses in the attack. Civilian researchers and military commanders discussed the project's findings during a news conference yesterday. They said that 13,000 bones had been analyzed and inventoried after the military received approval to go after them in 2015. Taking Viagra slashes Alzheimer's risk by two-thirds. Suits, you're okay. <laughs> Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> Scientists say that Viagra may help wow. may help may help boost brain health and cut levels of toxic proteins that trigger dementia. Experts analyzed data on 7.2 million U.S. adults found regular users had a 69% lower chance of being diagnosed with Alzheimer's over the next six years. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> Medics say the findings published in the journal Nature Aging suggest the little blue pill could soon be prescribed to tackle dementia. They're now planning a fresh study to test the benefits of sildenafil, sildenafil, the generic version of Viagra, in early Alzheimer's patients. A team from Cleveland Clinic looked at whether any of the 600 approved drugs could be repurposed to tackle the underlying causes of dementia. Lead researcher Dr. Feijong Cheng from Cleveland Clinic's Genomic Medicine Institute said it has been shown to significantly improve cognition and memory in preclinical trials presented as the best drug candidates. It's just that one uh, rather large side effect that you have to deal with uh, 24 hours a day. Didn't the Top Gear crew also take Viagra uh, when they were at high altitude, I believe somewhere in South America, because it helps you breathe? Really? Was Clark, Clarkson and the boys were in Peru, or uh, I remember the I'm episode. Gonna, I'm going to go FYI. And remember, uh, remember our buddy Orville Thompson? Sure. One day sure. he rolls up to me uh, up in AM, and uh, he pulls out out of his pocket. He's got a few blue pills in his hand. He goes, check this out. And I'm like, <laughs> Orville, what? you don't need that, do you? OT goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I 
yeah. are you supposed to be telling that story on a podcast? Yeah, Kenny? Orville was the greatest. I just I miss him so oh, much. I love that yeah. guy. Uh, there are several ways in which you can treat and even cure. Okay, wait, I'm not going to read that part. Uh, yes, Viagra can help you with deep breathing. Yeah. All they, right. they took it really? on the show before they went on their adventure. Who's the guy that discovered that? Hey, you know, I really breathe. <laughs> I was able to breathe a lot I don't know better. how they came upon that, but it's a wonderful use for it. Somebody joining oh, the Mile yeah. High Club, evidently. Yeah. It has many uses, apparently. So mm. sort of a wonder drug of, of sorts, right? I think Orville used it for its intended purpose. <laughs> I think that's enough of that. One of uh, If only John Hyde had the ability to just keep moving forward. I, uh, just keep plowing I saw, ahead. I sometimes enjoy the conversations, yeah, Joe, yeah. as they go. <laughs> Plus, I might only have one more story, so you know, I don't want to. That's fine. <laughs> one of Thailand's major fast food chains has been promoting its crazy happy pizza this month. Oof. It's an under-the-radar product topped with a cannabis leaf. Oof. It's legal, but it won't get you high, according to the restaurant. And what's the point? Vet, well, it tastes good, apparently, they're saying. Huh, okay. I don't know. Veterans veterans of the Backpacker Trail, familiar with the legendary pizza parlors of neighboring Cambodia's capital, Phnom Penh, that offer powerful marijuana as an optional condiment, say they might feel downright cheated. Did you know we had legendary pizza parlors in Thailand? I, I did I not know. Thai, uh, Thailand fast food doesn't uh, give me a good cartoon <laughs> bubble. Panusak Sunsadabun. General manager of the pizza company. Is it still says, that same story? Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. There's only has one left. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Says, of course, they cannot get high. It's just a marketing campaign. You can taste the cannabis. Uh, if you eat enough, you might get a little bit sleepy. The crazy happy pizza is a mashup of toppings involving the flavors of Thailand's famous Tom Yum Gai soup, along with a deep fried cannabis leaf on top. Cannabis is also infused into the cheese crust, and there's chopped cannabis in the dipping sauce. A nine-inch pie costs about 15 bucks. Customers preferring a do-it-yourself variety can choose their own toppings with a surcharge of 100 baht, which equals about $3. All right. Thank you, John. Mm-hmm. The Canopy Group is an insurance agency that is unique by offering 16 carefully selected companies for home and auto insurance. Listen, this is the holiday season. Would you be satisfied if the only dessert you could have this year was fruitcake made by one person's fruitcake? Boy, that'd be terrible, wouldn't it? That's like having one agent representing one company as your insurance option. Meanwhile, your neighbor creates an exchange with 40 family members. They have a variety of desserts, fudge, cutouts, gingerbread, all that good stuff. The Canopy Group knows it is all about options. That's why their insurance agents offers these 16 companies. They have 40 licensed agents working behind the scenes to ensure you always have the best coverage at the best price. Remember, Canopy clients' average savings annually is over $800. This holiday season, don't get stuck with the fruitcake. Get options with the Canopy Group. 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com. You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Might have to make Joe a move today. today. Yeah. yeah, levels are light, Such, but we still have a ton of wrecks around uh, the system. I've been sitting here trying to figure out if I buy a safe from Rich at MapleGroveLockAndSafe.com. I think I know 
what I'd put in. I've got a few old firearms from Grandpa, Great Grandpa, etc. I'm thinking suits. He'd probably put in. Well, in addition to the wheat pennies, he'd throw in his uh, life life supply of blue pills. Uh, John uh, John's probably got a few guitars he's keeping from the wife. He'd hide them in there. Uh, Chris, I don't know what. What are you putting in it? I, I, oh, I know. Your boys are going to put Dum Dum the kitty in the yep, safe, yep. right? That's where he would go. <laughs> well, we're all in luck because uh, Rich at Maple Grove Lock and Safe has plenty of Liberty Centurions, the 12, 18, 24 uh, capacity uh, safes uh, loaded with accessories and ammo cans available right there in the store. The Lincoln, uh, the Liberty safe, that's the the best-selling safe they make, the Lincoln, that's in, in store, and it's a limited quantity of these things were built. And it's a pretty cool unit, a white, white gloss, oh my goodness, take two, white gloss flag safe with a big five-spoke uh, handle, so that's cool. And, of course, truckloads of safes are arriving by the day throughout December, so we've got plenty of safes in stock for our gift uh, buying public. No waiting. You can buy today. You can take them home yourself or even have delivery and setup and special orders. Yes, they are available and uh, things are a little tight over Christmas, so that's why Rich is offering 12-month same-as-cash financing available. That is very cool. One thing you need to know, the address in Maple Grove, if you're going to stop in, 6901 East Fish Lake Road. If you're going to shop on the web, it's maplegrovelockandsafe.com. Only because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park and Mpumalanga, South Africa. On this date in Minnesota history, December 7th. On this date, today, in 1863, Richard W. Sears was born in Stewartville, Minnesota. While a railroad freight agent in Redwood Falls, he would buy an unclaimed shipment of watches and sell them through the mail at bargain prices. From this mail order idea would develop the A.C. Roebuck & Company, focused on the seventh floor of the Globe Building in Minneapolis. Renamed Sears Roebuck & Company, the business would eventually be headquartered in Chicago. Hmm. And it was on this day in 1864. Wait, do, do you know where Stewartville is? Vaguely. Uh, okay. South and east, Rochester right? area. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. On this day in 1864, the 8th Minnesota Regiment helped defeat Murfreesboro, Tennessee, helped defend Murfreesboro, Tennessee from a Confederate attack suffering 90 casualties. Murfreesboro had been the scene of the 3rd Minnesota Regiment's humiliating surrender two and a half years earlier. And on this day in 1963, T. Eugene Thompson, a lawyer who helped to draft Minnesota's 1963 revised criminal code, began serving a life sentence in the Minnesota State Prison for hiring some clowns to try to kill his wife, which they succeeded in doing. And finally, on this day in 1941, December 7th, outside of Pearl Harbor, the destroyer Ward, the crew prim primarily reservists from St. Paul, attacked and sunk a Japanese midget submarine, the first shots fired on the date of infamy. Inside the harbor, Minneapolis-born Captain Franklin Van Valkenburg was killed on the bridge of his ship, the USS Arizona. He would be awarded the Medal of Honor by Congress. This, this happened before the attack um, hit the shores, right? The Ward's actions happened before the attack hit the shores, but this Minneapolis-born Captain Franklin Van Valkenburg died during the attack. Have you ever researched, any of you guys, John, Joe, uh, not you, Chris, um, <laughs> why there wasn't a bigger reaction and a bracing for the attack 
after they sunk this sub, you would think that they would go, oh, uh-oh. I got to think they were uh, scurrying to tell each other about this. Yeah. I, I don't know what they could have done. Well, uh, that's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. The um, the midget sub thing is fascinating. Uh, I was just reading the other day they sent nine of those, the mm-hmm. Japanese. They only yeah. had two-man crews. Mm-hmm. Yep. And only one guy survived, one Japanese guy, because his sub was disabled. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just fascinating stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like, was that in the paper? Did you read that? In the uh, no, this uh, is no, from I, this day uh, in Minnesota history. No, no, but the, the I read that thing. years ago, actually. Okay, yeah, I just read it somewhere. Thank yeah. you, GLers. Sorry, thank you. Yes, hi, Oria. I missed the button. Uh, go ahead, Kenny. Where, Where should folks address their angry letters regarding John's and Joe's comments? Uh, you can send those to jhight at garagelogic.com if you'd like. They'll uh, ruin our I never, I never checked my email. It's going to ruin our rating. <laughs> Don't say that, John. Uh, also, as long as you're online, head on over to the Garage Logic YouTube page and hit that subscribe button and join the thousands, yes, thousands of GLers that have already subscribed to the GL YouTube page. And you can also visit us on our social media platforms where I'm sure the comments will be fast and furious today. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's all there for you. We'll see you tomorrow. Wasn't, wasn't that bad. <laughs>
it is, becomes necessary to get vaccinated. Okay, that's been reduced. Market is still concerned with the Fed, and there is the belief right now that the Fed will double their pace of the taper and start sooner rather than later. This talk has been going on since last May. As I've said before, just pay attention to what the Fed does, not to what all the analysts are babbling about. In the market, we've seen the indices rise a thousand points in the last two days. And with that kind of move, do be prepared for a little bit of profit taking in the next few days. Did have some upgrades in some of the semiconductor names as Apple. We had a report that Apple has increased production for 2022. My, oh my, that counters a Bloomberg article from last week that said Apple was cutting production. I would go with the article today of increased production that has helped Qualcomm and Micron a move up. Also has Intel a move up as they decide they're going to take one of their units, Mobileye, public to take advantage of what's going on in the electric vehicle space. And speaking of electric vehicles, Tesla is upgrading and replacing some cameras on some of their stock or on some of their cars. They got a price increase from one of their bearish analysts. Additionally, Elon Musk came out against the Build Back Better plan as it includes a tax credit for union-built U.S. manufactured EVs, and that puts Tesla at a little bit of a disadvantage against the likes of a Ford or GM. Tesla, however, is still the current leader in electric uh, vehicles. I myself still like internal combustion engines, but I'm just an old guy. Heck, I still have a six-speed manual transmission in my car. Very good, Mr. Money Talk. GLers, you heard him. Pick up that phone. Make that call in these volatile times today for that free, yes, I said free, 48-minute financial consultation at 952-925-5608. That number, once again, is 952-925-5608. Josh, as always, thank you so much for the time and the chat. Have a great day, and we'll do this again tomorrow. Look forward to it. Thanks. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.